0: The Outer Limits of an Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a brain where people didn't go. Oh, ah!
1: Don't worry. Don't be afraid ever. Because this is just a ride.
0: You're you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Minute Truth Radio Show, OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, you're going to learn how to grow your own food. How cool is that? Because you know, after listening to the show for a long period of time, that I am passionate about food, especially eating it uh, 50 or 60 times in the middle of the night. My late night eating is uh, legendary. However, something has changed. Something is uh, definitely different. I'll tell you what's going on. About five weeks ago I started doing this thing called intermittent fasting. And intermittent fasting is when you only eat for a, a smaller window of time. So some people will do it for they'll, they'll, they'll fast for twelve hours they'll fast for fourteen hours and you know eat for eight hours. Well I took it to the extreme where I'm only eating a window my feeding window is four hours and my first meal of the day is about ten thirty at night and I'll eat till two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I know, but it's working. You know, I, I'm dropping a few pounds. I have like, I only have four chins now instead of the 17 that I did before. When I walk down the street, people don't yell, boo, nearly as much as they used to. And, uh, you know, I can see certain parts of my body they haven't seen in a long time. So I'm digging this. And my wife is cheering me on, not because she wants me to succeed, but because she can't wait to see me relapse. And she's like, the relapse is going to be so fantastic. So I don't know. Either way, uh, intermittent fasting seems to be working. And uh, on a real, uh, another positive note, um, our featured guest is very knowledgeable. He takes a lot of complex information, puts it in a simplistic way, and by the end of this interview, you're going to be fired up and you're going to put on a farmer's hat and you're going to be a farmer yourself. Let us begin tonight's show. It is a great joy to welcome to our show, James Fry. He is the founder and chief flamekeeper of groweverywhere.com, the company that is leading the home grown food revolution you can learn more about james by going to his website at grow james welcome to our show
1: thanks so much for having me ryan it's great to be here
0: thank you i know a lot of people want to grow food i want to learn how to grow food but the only thing i'm capable of doing right now is growing friggin an extra chin or some more fat <laughs> so i'm all about growing the food in the backyard uh, doing whatever we can and uh awesome. you'll let everyone know that james will be a featured speaker at this year's in Arcapulco, and mm-hmm. we'll post a link to that <laughs> So, James, I have struggled with this for a long period of time. I don't know. I just don't. I'm having a hard time growing food, but other people can do it with that. We get some ease. So you please uh, talk about how easy is it or how hard is it to start growing your own food and what types of food should you begin to grow?
1: yeah I love that uh, great question man. I think yeah. that's the main thing that I that I work with um, with a lot of my students new new students who you know have never grown before um, and you know honestly the the, the biggest issue is um, you know right between our ears, which is just not knowing how, not knowing where to start um, a lot of the knowledge on how to do this has been basically lost over the last generations with uh, industrialization and the modernization of uh, society and the food supply um, and yeah basically people just kind of forgot the basics of of how to do it and so my mission has always been and continues to be making it as as easy and productive as possible um, and uh, I do it through a variety of you know training education products um, and uh, as well as seminars and classes and speaking at Acapulco and all sorts of fun stuff so um, but yeah, man, people really, what I find is the people who grow the most and have the best results, honestly, if you could bring it mm-hmm. down, it's, you know, if I could have you guess like the top reasons, is it, uh, a, I want to save money on food because inflation is crazy or B, uh, you know, the apocalypse is here and I need to have food for survival purposes or C, um, you know, uh, Monsanto and all these chemical companies are killing us. Um, and I want to have healthier food and no GMOs and no glyphosate in my food and no toxic chemicals, uh, or D like all the above It's actually, uh, answer E, none of the above. Uh, and honestly, what it comes down to for the people who just want to get out there and who end up doing it and being successful is simply enjoying connection to nature. Um, and so like, we don't get enough nature time. We don't get enough outdoor time. I think that people have this idea that you have to go on a big hike, uh, and schedule time for it, or you have to go into the woods or go on a long camping trip. And the reality is like, if you have a patio, even if you live in like a high rise and you have a patio, or if you have a window with sunlight in it, uh, or if you have a backyard or a front yard or the sidewalk strip, um, You know, between the sidewalk and the road, you can grow and you should. And all you really need to do is get out there. And the simplest thing is just to go out and get some seeds and throw them on the ground. Um, Wait a
0: second, James. There's there's something you're saying that's some people are going to find pretty disturbing because you were talking about an abundance consciousness, which I think that the mm -hmm. overlords would find very, they would not like that. They want you to believe in scarcity all the time. But you're saying
1: that food
0: is abundance.
1: And that you can grow it everywhere? You can, you can grow it everywhere. I see what you did there. I like that. I like that. Um <laughs> yeah, you can grow food everywhere. Um even in uh, even in the harshest of climates that have short growing seasons. You don't need to be a farmer. You don't need to have straw hat and overalls uh, as your outfit. Um you can yeah you can do it anyway. Or and and honestly I think that's the biggest thing is just starting and trying. Um, and literally what I recommend to some people is Um, and I think I might've done a video about this that I did share with, uh, some Anarchapulco folks was, um, you can literally go to any garden store, get a bag of soil, uh, cut it open and pour it out on the ground and then throw seeds in it. Um, and if you live in a climate, yeah, uh, that's a great way to start. It might not do really well. Um, but it's a fantastic way to get going. Um, And then if you live in an arid climate, you know, you probably need a watering can and you want to go out there and kind of give a little water every day or, you know, throw the the hose on it. Um, If you live in a pretty wet climate where it rains relatively frequently depending on time of year, uh, the rain will take care of it for the most part. And it it literally can be that simple. Obviously, what I teach, um, you know, goes a lot deeper than that. And I, um, you know, I show people how to get like really awesome yields um with less work um which a lot of like seasoned gardeners love because they're tired of like weeding and watering and dealing with pests and you know kind of help them eliminate all of that um but honestly if you want to get started like so many people buy survival seeds and they're like i'm gonna save these for the apocalypse because you never know what'll happen that's me like (laughs) <laughs> yeah those aren't doing anyone any good in the little tin or box or can or wherever they came in and like in the garage those aren't doing yeah. those aren't doing any good like you know you got to just throw them out there <laughs> and, and gonna, you'll be amazed you'll be amazed like what'll happen like it will get this it'll sprout and a plant will come out and then we're excited about that that plant <laughs> you know james
0: i'm really excited about this and I would love to do it, but I'll just tell you right away. I know myself well enough to know, again, I said in the beginning that I, I tend to grow chins, not really plants, but I would love to grow more plants, but <laughs> it's, I might, I don't have the patience. I don't, I can't sit. I mean, if I'm out there and I'm planting in the ground, I would sit there and plant and I would say, it's been five minutes. What's going on? I don't know. Is there any uh, type of way to grow your food? or a methodology you have for people that have attention span of a gnat or no patience at all? <laughs> um,
1: you know, not quite uh, okay. that uh, slim of attention span, but what I do is I make it exciting. I make it interesting. Anyone who's seen myself on YouTube, I have a, uh, a tiny green monster who accompanies me, um, and uh, he's pretty silly. He, uh, he makes it fun and interesting. But yeah, I mean, the thing about it is what i like to say is you know like how 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 long can you sit and watch a movie like what are some how what's the average length of some of the best movies you've ever seen Uh, 90 minutes yeah so you so you're you know five second nat attention span expanded magically to 90 minutes right and that's simply because it was interesting right and the fun thing about growing and harvesting your own food is that you you plant it and then once it sprouts things start happening you know and what you'll notice if you just try it like literally go out and plant like 10 seeds what you'll notice is it starts to get really exciting um and you'll start getting connected to just the magic that is nature and i think that's another aspect of it is, you know, humans are not cyborgs, we're not meant to, you know, have screens in front of our faces 24 seven, and we're not meant to, you know, eat McDonald's hamburgers, we evolved out of an environment where we were one with the natural systems around us. And that's one of the things that one of the many things that growing your own food does is you watch it grow and develop and you start getting connected to the magic that is life. And it's more interesting than really any any movie, maybe not any movie. There's a lot of really interesting movies out there. But it's also very exciting to watch stuff sprout. And then the coolest part is after it grows, edible things start to emerge. And there's just something really special about, wow, this thing was a little seed. And now I'm eating it, and it's delicious. And that is a really incredible Process for uh, for people to experience, and if you haven't done it, then like it's kind of like you don't get it. But then once you start and you have like one thing grow, and you eat it, then then you're hooked. You know,
0: uh, so, I really want to do it. And also, I'm sure that when you when it grows, that you have to say, "Well, look, Monsanto had nothing to do with it. It's not GMO. It's wonderful. I'm sure that's going to be a, a really yeah. something really exhilarating."
1: Oh, it's huge. So
0: let's say hypothetically speaking, if people were going to say, "Okay, I'm going to give this a shot. I am going to make the commitment to grow some food." if you live in a climate that isn't too harsh a tool. So like, say for example, you look at states in the South, you look at the mm-hmm. Northern states in the U S Southern states in the U S what are a couple things that can grow year round, even a harshest of, of climate. So what are some things that you are, are better suited for planting in the spring that um, you get the most yield from?
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. So I have a, a, a focus on growing things that are, of a high caloric density, meaning things that are going to be satisfying when you eat them. Right. So, you know, a lot of people don't want to eat, uh, you know, lettuce and tomatoes, growing lettuce and tomatoes is very rewarding, but it doesn't really have a lot of calories, has a lot of nutrients, which is different, Mm -hmm. but not a lot of calories. So as far as calorie dense crops, I always recommend squashes and pumpkins. Um, the cool thing about them also is that not only is the, the flesh of the squash or the pumpkin delicious, but there's also seeds inside. And you can roast those seeds. You could uh, roast them and blend them. You could do a variety of things with those seeds and they're extremely high in in protein and calories. And so those are some of the most calorie dense crops that you can grow as any, any type of squash or pumpkin. Another cool thing is you talked about, you know, growing year round, growing year round, um, there's a whole lot of nuance to that. But if you, say, grow some squash and you harvest, like, you know, the plant grows like 10 and you harvest off nine of them, you can leave one in the garden and you can be sure that next season those some of those seeds are going to sprout again. Um, you might call that, squash isn't technically this, but you might call that like a self-seeding annual. So like a, a, a vegetable that grows year to year, they have to typically replant. But if you just leave some of it out, um the squirrels will demolish it and then they'll eat some of the seeds but some of the seeds are going to be left over but compost and they'll sprout again next year and literally all i need to do is just let it sit there and rot um so that's one of the things i recommend people grow i also recommend root crops um especially if you're in the south like you mentioned um sweet potatoes are an excellent crop to grow basically Uh, And you see this in, you know, tropical climates, the things that have the most that are allowed to absorb the most sunlight for the longest period of time possible. Those are the things that have the highest amount of calories. So sweet potatoes are very high. Uh, There's uh, yams as well. Um, There's other types of um, variety of types of different yams and sweet potatoes that grow um, in Africa and other uh, South America, Central America. Those are excellent crops to grow, and they're relatively easy as well. Especially if you're in a in a warm climate, or if you know you're you're pretty much anywhere that has summer, uh, you can you can grow those things. So, those are excellent options as well. Uh, very satisfying, delicious, and high in calories. Um, so, squashes, pumpkins, any sort of uh, root vegetable, root crop, um, you know, things that are most likely found in a in a subtropical environments such as, uh, you know, uh, yam sweet potatoes, uh, purple sweet potatoes, regular potatoes like your classic like Yukon gold or, you know, purple Incan potato. uh, Those are great. And then as you start getting into uh, vegetables like carrots, parsnips, radishes, uh, those start having less caloric density. Um, because they typically have a shorter growing season, but they're also mm-hmm. delicious and have lots of uh, nutrient density to them as well. Uh, beets, you could throw beets in there uh, as well. So those are the things that I recommend. And then um, then there's, of course, grain crops. Um, so it would be the third thing. Uh, if you're living in a dry climate, I always recommend people go with uh, amaranth or quinoa. Um, those are excellent grain crops. Amaranth produces little seeds that are just extremely prolific and you can turn them into you can make a little mini popcorn out of it if you pop it. Uh you can make a porridge out of it. That's cool. Um, yeah, there's a variety of things you can do. And in quinoa, everyone knows quinoa is like a superfood from the Andes, whatever you can grow that in you know almost any climate uh, does especially well in um in, in dry climates. Um corn, of course, uh there's lots of um different varieties of heirloom corn that are, have been grown by indigenous peoples uh, throughout Central and North America for you know hundreds of years. Uh, corn is always a great one. Um, it's it's not necessarily as easy to grow as some other things, but those are some of the grain crops that I, I recommend people, people try. Um, so yeah, and that's the other thing with getting growing. A lot of we gardeners, we get a seed catalog and we get really excited and we're like, it's like porn for gardeners. So like flipping through the seed <laughs> and like I want that and I want that and I want that. Ooh, and I don't want that. and I want that variety. And like, it'll be like 10 pages just dedicated to tomatoes. And before you know it, you've got like 50 seeds ordered. And, <laughs> you know, and then if you're me, you've got like a thousand seed varieties that you haven't even tried yet. Right. Um, and there's many more that, you know, I, I am growing. So the, the recommendation I have for new gardeners or even experienced gardeners is like, just pick three. Okay. Just pick like three things you want to grow, and just get I'm, started with that. I'm going to go
0: crazy. I think that this year I'm going to get three three big um, garden beds and nice. put a number of things in there. I'm going to i to do it. Oh, I was like, you don't have the patience for. It. I'm like, I know, but I have to connect to the earth. Try to get in touch. I have to get. Like, I, I have to get. <laughs> well, it's in it, my reasons are because well, first off, I, be a lovely Bill Gates wants to put the. The mRNA vaccine in the food. Oh my god! Okay, so I guess we're not going to the grocery store anymore. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't want the vaccine. I don't want. It. And the, I, I wanted I, I want to connect to it. And I wonder if energetically speaking, I know some people that we've had on the show are very sensitive to energy. I always you know, bless my food whenever I have it. I, I try to be as. Uh, I used to be a vegan, but I'm vegetarian now because of the eggs. I don't want to have any negative association with the food. I'm just curious. In your experience, do you find that when you grow your food? Is there something, um, you find people who are sensitive or very spiritual that there's a, mm-hmm. um, a certain element or energetic, uh, fulfillment in growing your own food, knowing that mm-hmm. it has not been handled by, by corporatism and, it hasn't been handled by people who are trying to
1: poison you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's deep stuff, man. And that's very, very yeah. true. Um, yeah, it's a completely different experience. You know, I could hold up a pepper that I bought from the grocery store and I could hold up a pepper that I grew, and they might look say, the same to the naked eye, but they're completely different products. Um, completely different. And yeah, there is a huge satisfaction that comes with that moment when you clip the pepper off the plant. And then if you eat it raw or if you cook it, there's a completely different experience. Um, and it's an experience of of connection, um, and I think really that's what gets people to start gardening and stick with it, uh, and to continue growing their foods because they want more of that that Dying. connection, right? And knowing there's also that knowing in the back of your mind that's like, yeah, this is this wasn't touched by anything but but earth and and God, so. so- Oh,
0: thank you for, for sharing that. And um, I think it should incentivize some people to start growing their food. And James, I don't know about you, but I am not a big fan of f- big pharma at all. Every time I, I, if I'm feeling a pain, I don't, I don't want to take, you know, Tylenol ibuprofen. I, I'm like the last person to do it. So I, I was wondering, are there certain types of medicines and things that you can grow that would replace typical household products that you utilize or medicines that you would normally use for pain? or for, for hygiene. And so what are some of those uh, plants and things you can grow?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that question. Um, Thank you. Yeah. We, we, uh, we did a training a while ago that we still have called the homegrown medicine cabinet. um, And that talks about how to plant a variety of different medicinal herbs um, kind of in conjunction with each other uh, and then how to turn and make those into, uh, into herbal medicines. And, you know, at this point um, there's, something like over 250 clinical studies that have been done showing that turmeric, which is a a root crop, it's a subtropical uh, root crop uh, related to ginger, similar to ginger. um, And it is better as a uh, inflammation reducer than ibuprofen. Um, and this is in multiple clinical studies. Of course, you can't say that because of you know the FDA, but it's it's true. Um, they've got
0: so much credibility, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, they have tons of credibility, especially these days. Um, but yeah, that's true. And this is clinical. This is clinical science, right? And so mm-hmm. we find more and more that these you know natural remedies and basically just food. Um, is more effective than many over-the-counter drugs. Now, of course, you know, if there's like some serious condition that someone has, they need to use pharmaceuticals to like survive, obviously, you know, stick with that until you can increase your, your vital force with food. And, and so the way you increase your, your vitality and your overall health with food is by eating food that is full and rich with nutrients. Um, and the best way to get that is to grow it yourself because uh, farmed food... Uh, in America has been uh, depleted of nutrients. That's because the soil has been depleted. Uh, And that's been a process that has been going on since the 1920s and has been gradually declining to the point where uh, the soil pretty much has no nutrients in it anymore. Of course, it's very easy to get nutrients into your soil and into your food. Uh, You just got to know how. Uh, And so by far, the, the most highest quality food you can get is from uh, you know, someone who's doing organic farming, which you could find at a farmer's market and uh, even better is what you grow yourself, right? Um, so yeah, so as far as other plants, turmeric is a great one. Uh, that, of course, is is limited to um, subtropical environments, or you could grow it in large pots uh, indoors, and you can move them outdoors in the summer and bring them indoors in the winter. Uh, I've done that before. You can totally do that. Um, you know, one of the best things you can generally have every day is just lots of leafy greens. Um, you know, kale, as long as you, I prefer, I prefer most of my greens cooked, um, or, or juiced. Um, so kale is good. If you use lemon juice to help break it down. Uh, I'm a big fan of collard greens. Um, I love garlic and chives and, you know, putting those and cooking those in with greens, Mm -hmm. Um, one of my favorites is sorrel, which is a perennial, uh, green, which that means it just grows year round and keeps coming back year after year. Uh, it has a very like nice lemony sweetness to it. Um, so yeah, sorrel is one of my favorites. Um, but any, pretty much any leafy green is going to be extremely good for your health, mostly because of the, uh, nutrients and phytochemicals found in those plants. And that's something you should do daily. Um, as far as things like a lot of people have anxiety and their mind is racing and stuff. Uh, there's tons of different herbs for that. Lemon balm is an excellent one for that. Um, you can make a tea out of it. You could chop it and put it into a salad. Um, you can make a tincture out of it. Um, lemon balm is very easy to grow. It's in the mint family and it mm-hmm. grows, it grows like crazy. So it grows like a mint plant. will just, you know, kind of take over the garden. So yeah, we have all these things that we can use and it's like, you have the opposite problem. You're like, how can I get this thing to stop growing and taking over my garden? It's almost like, you know, it grows too well, you know? Um, so yeah, there's tons of things. And ultimately it's like the best medicine. And so many people say this in the natural health world, like the best medicine is food. And the reason for that is it's, you know, it agree. has everything It has everything that we have always needed that humans have have evolved with. Um, so as long as just, they're full of nutrients.
0: You know, I just found it really fascinating about how you are discussing all these things that can come from the earth. The earth is this beautiful place full of abundance and yet billions of people are on the planet and believing the scarcity mentality and yeah. the elites are trying to push for famines. And it's, yeah. if the people only knew or, or knew a fraction of, of the knowledge that you had, that yeah, the, the earth will provide the food you need, I wouldn't have to be this fan I, It's just, it's startling how it's happening because, and I'm not, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm completely guilty. I go to the grocery store a number of times. So I just try to eat as healthy as possible, but I love the grocery store. That is, that is my bar basically. Like, what going <laughs> I love it. I just, it, it's just
1: cool. It's like a candy store.
0: I love going. Yeah. I love looking at natural foods and stuff like that. I'm just really into it. But um, yeah. I'm curious when I, um, certain people like to protect themselves from the high wave radiation uh, the 5G and they'll, they'll get um at the I know there's some kind of coverings you can put around your devices to ensure okay. that the, the radiation isn't as is intense. Okay. Is that something you'd recommend doing around the place where you're growing your food? Does food, fundamentally speaking, get impacted by any kind of um wave radiation that's coming from cell phone towers?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know uh the answer to that question. I would say that on some level, yes. Um you know, I personally am not very sensitive to those different, you know, radiations and stuff. I do know people personally who um, they're extremely sensitive and they have to take all sorts of measures. For whatever reason, I personally am not very sensitive to those particular um, frequencies, at least not consciously. Um, And then as far as the food, I don't really do anything with that. But the cool thing to note that comes to mind when you say that is when you're growing in rich, fertile soil, which you can build that yourself in a variety of ways quite easily, there is a uh, a strong amount, of, there's a lot of negative ions that build up in the soil. Um, those ions are responsible for holding a lot of the minerals. And so it wouldn't surprise me if like, you know, people talk about grounding, you know, getting vitamin G going out in the, you know, on the earth with your bare feet. It wouldn't surprise me if really it's just the quality of the soil that helps stabilize and kind of acts as like a grounding anchor for, for, for those plants. Right. Um, and that could, and this is me just theorizing, but that most likely, would be neutralizing any sort of effects that you know the is being had on the plants, um, and of course, you're going to be getting out into you know nature, uh, being around plants uh, and the earth, and that's going to help stabilize your system as well and harmonize your own system. This is getting you know obviously woo woo territory, but all these woo at all, is- open oh. all different things. Because yeah. you know, on our show, we, we're all, we're all about exploring different
0: things, and mm-hmm. that's why I feel sometimes the food that people eat. I mean, if you, if you go to an event, at least in the U.S., you go to a sporting event. What do they have? Oh, they, what can you drink? Oh, you for seven dollars you can buy Dasani water.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: Aquafina, which is probably some guy just peed and they just you know do the <laughs> Yeah, do colorizing runs through a filter. Yeah. Oh, and like, well, what do you have to eat? Oh, well, you can have you know some popcorn that's probably got a, a thing of salt on it and everything yeah. else in there is bad for you and fake butter yeah and then aside yeah. from the fact that some evil corporation put it together so when you're talking about this mm-hmm. you know, about this you know i think it's woo, whatever i mean i just think yeah. this is great because people want to um you know have to get the healthiest meal possible
1: mm-hmm.
0: just um from your perspective how little of a growing space do you need mm-hmm. in order to sustain a family of four let's say for half a year, how much food can you yield?
1: Okay, so how small of a space? So there are several books on this where um, people have documented like, all right, I need to do exactly that, provide for a family of four um, over the course of a year. Um, The number that's most uh, commonly referred to for that is a quarter acre which happens to be roughly the size of the average backyard in suburban backyard in the United States. Um, So basically, yeah, you can turn your backyard into a farm and and, a mini farm and support a family of four. And it doesn't, uh, this book also was the tracking the amount of time that it took and it essentially uh, equated to about a part-time job. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, honestly with that book was written a while ago and it was using just kind of a lot of standard methods. I don't want to you know, knock anything that those authors have done, but um, you know, I grow in a few methods that I've developed that are like really intensive uh, organic growing. So I'm not using any chemicals or anything like that, but I found various ways to really maximize the amount of produce um, and food coming out of the system. Uh, as well as reduce the amount of time and effort included, as well as the amount of water input and fertilizer input and all that other stuff. But my point is that if I were to do a trial run of it, um, I would probably be able to get that size down even uh, even further. Um, I will say a lot of people were like, oh, my God, like what if I could just grow everything I needed on the balcony? Like, that'd be great. Um, the reality is you do need some sort of space. That said, that shouldn't prevent anyone from, from growing because... You know, I've grown in, you know, spaces the size of a shoebox. Um, I've grown like, you know, at least one or two salads per week in the side, in a, an area the size of a shoebox indoors. Um, I also right. have.
0: Can uh, a lot, do you get a lot out of that?
1: Uh, yeah, you get, a lot, you get a lot of greens and herbs out of that. Um, so that's relatively easy to do. Um, for the gardening method that I teach, um, I recommend people go as small as, like, two by two feet, um, which, you know, could take up, like, the corner of your, you know, room or something or whatever. Um, if, if you do have access to a sunny south-facing window or a, a balcony or anything like that, absolutely use that. Um, you can also grow in, uh, in buckets or pots, um, known as container gardening, and those take up like as little as one square foot and you can get quite a lot, especially if you're using vining crops, which vining crops such as uh, cucumbers, squashes, tomatoes, anything that like grows upward, um, those are great because they use vertical space. Right. So there's there's quite a lot you can do, even if you don't even own a yard or own a you know a piece of land you can work Um so, yeah, there's a lot you can do and you don't need a lot of space. But to answer your question, uh, a quarter acre, you could probably do it on like maybe an eighth of an acre uh, if you're really, uh, really intense about
0: good. it. OK. Yeah. And uh, I'm just asking this question, you know, uh, for a friend. Uh, what are some of the fundamental mistakes that people make when they first start?
1: Oh, good, Good question. Well, for your friend. Um, his name, his name name is Ryan. (laughs) All right. So for for your buddy, Ryan, um, I would say probably biting off more than you can chew. So we talked about earlier, like not having, you know, going through a seed catalog and getting like 50 seeds, especially if you're just starting out, I get the excitement, right? Buy the 50 seeds, but plant like five, right? Start small and and manageable. Um, same, same goes for if you're going to do the garden beds, right? It's easier to just focus on, on one, maybe do like one three by five foot bed. Right. And just start there. Right. And it's, you got the entire season, you know, to keep an eye on it, but you know, if you can keep it in your, you know, visual uh purview, then that's going to, that's going to make things easier. Um, And I think, you know, the other thing is probably just not understanding plants and understanding kind of how they work. And the reality is they're, they're, they're really simple little uh, little chemical machines um, is, is how they work. And the point is that they really need proper nutrients, um, which can come from a variety of different types of fertilizers. I prefer organic fertilizers um, for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, just having like a basic understanding of the way plants work.
0: Okay. That's so it's Thank you for sharing that and um the end but what um are your organic fertilizer is that something you pick up at a farmer's market or what kind of uh, um, how would you
1: so the cool thing is you you can actually make your own fertilizers um at home out of a variety of different things that nature produces um One spoiler alert is, and people, a lot of people get like skeeved out by this and think it's gross, but urine is a fantastic fertilizer. Okay. It's it's amazing. Um, When urine exits the body, it's sterile. Um, As long as you're not taking any pharmaceutical products, um, the urine is completely safe to use. Uh, And now urine is actually being used on a large scale. And I guess you'd call them like... I'm just going to call them, people call them developing nations, but I'm going to call them regular nations, um, mm. pl- places where they still have some sanity left. So there's places in, in Africa what? and and India where they're using urine as fertilizer on a wide scale, and they're using it to basically give the finger to the Monsantos and Dow Chemicals of the world um, because it's almost a direct replacement for for commercial-grade fertilizer. It's not as strong, but it, it's uh, it's only about like, one third the strength, um, but still, and it, it has um, almost everything you, that plants need to grow, particularly nitrogen. Um, so it's fantastic fertilizer. And so the easiest way, um, I, I go into this a l- in a lot more detail in, in my classes, but the easiest way would be pee in a five gallon bucket, fill it with water the rest of the way, and then irrigate the crops with, with that water. Um, That will, yeah, that is, you know, enough to get some better results than you would from, like, say, Miracle Grow or some crap that you would get at the hardware store. Oh, and guess what? It's free. So that's just one of many like homemade fertilizers that that you can make. You produce it all day. It's free. And for guys like us, we have a built-in omnidirectional fertilizer applicator that is so easy to use.
0: That's awesome. That's very interesting. Uh, James, last question I have for you is what type of Lamborghini are you planning on buying in the next two years? (laughs) And I'll explain. The reason why I'm asking that question is because James, uh, Jim Rogers came on our show a few years ago, and he said that it'll be a very short period of time from now where all the farmers are going to be driving Lamborghinis because they're going to be very wealthy because that this is farming is really going to take off. And I'm starting to see mainstream catch up on it. So, yeah. curious, do you think that this is something where people can do on a full time basis? How much food would you have to grow in order to be um, to, to actually have a business about it? Would you need a an acre, two acres? How much do you think you would need in order to sustain yourself and to to, to at least you know sustain your family financially speaking? Much-
1: yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question directly, uh, the Lambo would be purple with a plant <laughs> pattern. Um, I have a, I have a jacket, uh, like a suit jacket that has plants on it. So we would match that. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I, I think I would probably invest in a, in another pickup for the farm, um, <laughs> and, and paint that had that color. But anyway, It's a great question. And I think that, yes, there's a huge opportunity. I am always looking at, um, you know, the trends with gardening. Most of my students are older, um, but we have seen a very large amount of millennials starting to, starting to garden since 2020. And that is, that has increased, which is very exciting to me because I'm a millennial and I can't seem to get other millennials to get out of bed for gardening any, any day of the week. Um, But what I would say you know, your question was like, well, how much do I need to produce or to sell to produce, you know, no. like have some sort of business around it, what I would do, and I'm thinking of of doing this, I have one student who's been kind of doing this, but I would have a business that would be helping other people get set up, right, like having hmm. their garden, helping them get their garden set up, and then supplying them with like, you know, the soil and the seeds, the nutrients, and kind of then teaching little classes and know how, like, in their local neighborhoods get like you know like a block party and show off the garden and like teach people how to do it and i think that would be a really thriving um profitable business for for people to be doing because there's a lot of demand and there still is like that huge learning curve where people are just like so overwhelmed like i don't know what to do and so there's a lot of people who who you know need to grab the torch learn how to do it and then start disseminating that in a decentralized fashion teaching teaching others right so that's what i would do if um you know I would get really into it. Uh, if I was doing a business other than what I do now, grow everywhere, which is teaching mostly online, um, I would have a local thing where I would do gardens for, for other people. Um, and if I could clone myself, that's exactly what I would do. So
0: <laughs> Mr. James Fry, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. You are the blue right. lobster of the millennials and I hope you definitely I hope you <laughs> I hope I hope you'll consider reproducing because uh, we need some more uh, people like you walking around you. and you know, contributing to humanity. Yeah, there are a couple of websites for James. You can go to groweverywhere.com. And actually, is, is it forward slash tinygreenmonster? dot oh, groweverywhere.com. And also, James yeah. will be speaking at an archipelago. We'll put a link onto that. And uh, James, really helpful advice. I hope people take a lot uh, from this interview. And thank you so much for your time.
1: You're so welcome, Ryan. It's been such a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guests, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lemisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace love and beers Yay! take it care and thank you so much for listening